Welcome to the Your Destiny Podcast. Well, I kind of feel like Andy has been singing my, one of my talks this morning, so we'll get to that a bit later. Um, kind of interesting when that happens, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this is good. This must be the thing for the day. But just, um, we're just going to do this morning, up to lunchtime, and then I'm going to put my suit on and talk to Andy about church accounts and things. Actually, I haven't got my suit, don't worry. But he was a bit shocked this morning when I came in. He said, you're not my accountant. And I said, well, maybe later. Because <laughs> that's one of the things I do. But um, I really believe that we have lost. We have had two things have been stolen from us. And one of them is freedom and one of them is rest. And actually they go together. You know, the more rest we live in, the more freedom we enjoy. The more freedom we live in, the more rest we enjoy. So just in this first session, I want to talk about freedom because I believe it's our inheritance to be free and it's been stolen from us. And if our enemy can keep us captive, um, you know, then we become ineffective. But if we can discover our true identity as sons and daughters of our father, then we start to live in freedom. And, um, you know, that's really what I want us to discover and then live in, that we can be free, that we are, we are sons and daughters who live freely. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 8, he said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence and what and you do what you've heard from your father. And um, just before that, Jesus says, uh, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will, will set you free. And I think the truth that Jesus is talking about is the truth of who we are, because he then goes on to talk about being a son. And like we said yesterday, that prodigal son, when he came home, the father didn't even begin to listen to his story because he, as far as the father was concerned, he was saying, you're a son, you belong, you've got a permanent place in the family. Whereas this guy was coming back thinking, I'll just be a slave, you know, I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. And the father has none of it and throws that robe around him and says, you're my son, you belong. And when we understand who we are, it leads us into this, this freedom. And one of the things I really want us to understand is that we are not just free from something but we are free to be someone see we we look at our freedom and think we've been set free from sin we've been set free from all that old stuff we've been set free but we kind of look backwards at what we've been set free from but i want us to look forward to what we have been set free to become um, there's a brilliant song. How many of you know Godfrey Bertel? You've heard of Godfrey Bertel? <laughs> yeah, we like Godfrey. He's written this song called um, Bibbity Bobbity. Have you heard that one? Yeah? My, it's one of my... I love it. But you see, it's talking about getting off the hamster wheel. You know in a cage, you've got the hamster wheel that goes round and around and around and around. And, you know, this poor little hamster thinks it's free. And all it's doing is running around in circles and getting absolutely nowhere. So just for a little bit of fun, I'm going to play it to you because I like it. So here we go. 
really technical. You could play this one. deep, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hey. 
fun I mean it's just fun because it's fun but you know a lot of us are kind of on this wheel it just goes round and round and round and round and we think we're having a good time and we think we're getting somewhere but we're actually getting nowhere and you know I think what our father wants us to do is to step out of the cage you know to let go of the chains to let those chains be undone and that we can step out of the cage and that's where we'll find real freedom my daughter's got two um, Russian rats as pets. They're like hamsters. They're that kind of size and that kind of shape. And they're called Romeo and Juliet, but they're both boys. Or <laughs> <laughs> something, I don't know. But she's got them in a cage in her kitchen. And she's got one of these silly little wheels that goes round and round and round and round. And... Um, the other day I phoned her up and um, she said, oh, Daddy, she said, I can't talk to you at the moment. Romeo's escaped. <laughs> and he was running all over the living room behind the sofa and, you know, behind all the chairs. And she, every time she pulled a piece of furniture out, he went behind the next piece of furniture. And it's like this little guy was enjoying freedom. You know, he, he got out of his cage, he got off his little wheel. And suddenly there was this great big wide open space called the living room that he'd never experienced before and she said daddy i'll have to phone you back in a bit you know so that was fine and we she came back to me about 20 minutes later he romeo had been captured and put back in his cage and and so on but you know ah <laughs> but you know we kind of have that mentality i think um that we think freedom is the cage door open but we stay in the cage you know there's, there's been a survey done of prisoners when they've left prison, you know, they, they step outside the prison door. Maybe they've got their black bin liner of their possessions and they, they finish their sentence. They go through the prison gates and they're free, aren't they? You know, they've paid their debt to society. They've, they've served their sentence. They've been set free. But there's been, a, there's been a big survey done right across Europe of prisoners who've been set free from prison and what they feel like. And in there, inside of them, they still feel captive. Inside of them, they still feel like they're, they're a prisoner. Um, and they still have that, that guilt, that condemnation, that lack of self-worth, that inability to sort of live a different life. And within... Six months, there's an incredibly high percentage of people who are set free from prison who reoffend, you know, and they end up back in that cycle again. See, they've been set free from something. They've been set free from prison. They, you know, according to the law, they are free. But they can't live a free life because they don't know what it's like to be free to be something different. And so they fall back into their old ways, you see. And it was a real revelation to me. You know, that, that verse at the beginning of Galatians 5, it says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. I, I, that verse used to annoy me immensely because it was so illogical. You know, of course we've been set free to be free. You know, we've been set free from, from something. When we're set free, we're free. 
And he's like, Paul, why are you so stupid to state the obvious? It's like, it's so obvious. Of course, when you step out of prison, you're free. But then I realized what he was really talking about was that we are set free from something in order to be free to be someone. And when we understand the other side of the coin, that actually instead of looking back to what we've been set free from, we can look forward to what we have been set free to become. It makes so much more sense for us. You know, that, yes, and then it goes, it, Paul goes on through Galatians uh, about that spirit of sonship again that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. You see, we've been set free from our old way of seeing our old life in order to be set free to be sons and daughters. And that's such a big, you know, that opens the door to something new. And I think if, you know, when people leave prison, we, you know, we, we owe them a favor of actually helping them not only to be free from prison. You know, I'm talking about in society now. We, we owe them a favor, not just to set them free from that prison, that prison cell, but how can we help them be free to be, you know, a better citizen? Because that's the other side, or if you like, that's the, that's the completion of what freedom is all about. You know, we're free from something in order to be free to be someone. And Corinthians, Paul writes, he said, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. See, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, and we love those times, don't we, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and we go, whoa, yeah, and we dance around and we fall around and we fall on the floor and we sing silly songs. And, you know, it's like we, we enjoy that, that liberty that the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts. But actually, there's, I think there's much more that the Holy Spirit wants to do when he brings that, that, that life and that freedom. Is he wants to lead us into this this life of sonship, where we actually cry, Abba, Father, you know, God, you really are my dad. Because that's the freedom that Jesus lived in. That's the freedom that Jesus enjoyed. And it's, you know, it's so often we, we look at our own lives and we think, oh, I wish I was free. You know, we still struggle with stuff. We still have life's ups and downs. We still have to pay the mortgage. We still have to go to work. We still have to do this. We still have to do all these other things. And it's like, oh, I wish I was free. And actually, we are free. You know, have you ever thought who the most free people are in the world? You know, who are the, who are the freest people? And I guess we often think that probably the freest people are those with loads and loads of money. Like they've got money to do whatever they want to do like the super rich, and they can, they can go on holiday when they want to. They can, they can go and see whatever they want to go and see. They can, they can have all the clothes they want, all the cars they want. And if they get bored with one car, they can buy another car. And if they get bored with a the house, they can buy another house. You know, like the mega, mega rich, where they talk in billions, you know, not pounds or hundreds or thousands, but like billions. It's like you would think they would be free. Time magazine did a survey a few years ago, and it surveyed 
how the super-rich felt about themselves. And the conclusion was that the super-rich had such great despair in their hearts. And the despair in their hearts was way, way greater than you know, people who lived an ordinary life in Manchester. You know, money hadn't bought freedom. A few years ago, um, I, I went to see one of my clients. Now, they, they ran a good business. It was quite profitable. It was quite a nice little engineering business. And I went to see these clients, and the, the guy sits me in his office, and he, he pulls a piece of paper out of his desk, and he gives it to me doesn't say anything he just gives me this piece of paper and I look at it and it's a letter from the bank and it's a letter from the bank telling him how much interest he earned on his savings accounts now I read the letter and it says dear Mr. So-and-so in the period from February to April so like two months you have earned on your savings account I think it was about 170,000 pounds now, so I'm reading this letter, and I'm thinking, £170,000, that's a lot of money. That's my first thought. My second thought is, we've already done your tax return, and we didn't put that 170000 on it. <laughs> and my third thought was, that's £170,000 for two months. That means it's a very big number of money sitting in the bank account. So I looked at this letter, and I... I thought, I know your business is doing quite well, but it's not doing that well. You know, that's like, my, my brain was saying, there must be millions of pounds in the bank that I'm his accountant and I don't know about. You see, it's like, we haven't told the Inland Revenue this. And um, so, so he just doesn't say anything. And I, so I look at it and I say, that's a lot of money. And he said, yes. I said, would you mind telling me about this? And he said, um, well, you know the National Lottery? And I said, yes. He said, we won it. I said, well, you must have won a lot of money. He said, yeah, we won nine and a half million pounds. And I thought, well, I thought, first thing was, well, well done, congratulations, you know, great. And, um, you know, I mean, great, good for him. You know, he pays a pound, gets nine and a half million back. That's a pretty good investment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was a few years ago. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like, I'm looking at yeah, thinking, I'd have the interest, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. But I've watched that family, and I can honestly say that nine million pounds did not make them happy. They flew to New York first class, stayed in the posh hotel, went to the shows on Broadway, went shopping in wherever you go shopping in, in, in New York, bought all this stuff, came back, on, you know, flew back home, went on a cruise, went on a cruise around the Middle East, went on a cruise around Asia, went to all the expensive hotels in Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia, you know, everywhere. And I just watched them. Do you know how much they gave to charity? Not a penny. And were they happy because of it? No. They, do you know what it made them do? As a family, it tore them apart. They started fighting each other and being selfish and greedy and, you know, comparing each other's lifestyles. Like, oh, you've been to Singapore. Well, I'm going to go here. You know, it's like, oh, get a life, you know. And I thought, 
So one day I sat down with a piece of paper and I wrote nine million pounds at the top. And I thought, what would I do if I'd have won nine million pounds? You know, so I, I bought, I paid off my mortgage. I bought a new car for my wife. I bought four houses for my kids, one each, not four each, just one each. <laughs> and they weren't big houses. They were just, you know, like modest, good houses for them to start with, you know. And I gave a little bit to my pet charities and, you know, some of my other family members. But I think I managed to spend a million and a half pounds. Not, you know, not really because I didn't have the money. But, you know, in my, my imagination, I spent about a million and a half pounds. And I could do that quite easily, you know. I mean, da -da 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 -da, four kids, four houses, you know, a bit here and there. And then I looked at the rest on my piece of paper and I thought, I don't know what to do with that. You know, I'm, I mean, a nice problem to have, but it's like, okay. And I thought, wow, you know, it just stunned me, I thought, you know, how, how much, how big a, a number it was. And, yeah, it just... Certainly for that family, and I know it's not the case for everybody, but certainly for that family, that huge amount of money didn't bring them happiness and it didn't bring them freedom. It was actually, it was almost like it was a curse. It was almost like it was, it was, it was a real bondage to them. I know another guy, and he worked really hard all his working life. He built up a really, really successful business. And it was, it was, it was a, you know, it was a big, big business, and he sold it for, you know, millions and millions of pounds. And I watched what he did. This guy was a Christian, um, and, you know, <coughs> he, didn't, he didn't use that money for himself. He created a charity, put the money into the charity, and over the last few years, it's been a real blessing to hundreds and hundreds of other people. You know, just because he's been able to give to what they've been been sowing into, and it's like I thought that's that's just these two things were like such a contrast, you know. And it was nothing to do with the money; it was actually to do with the state of the people's hearts. You know, one this family, their hearts were not free, so that money became a curse. The other guy, his heart was so much freer that that money could be a blessing. You see, it's actually nothing to do with the money. You know, the super rich, the despair of the super rich, the Time magazine said, is unfathomable. You know, money doesn't buy us happiness. I mean, you know, most of us would like a bit more money most of the time, wouldn't we, you know? But it actually doesn't buy us happiness. And it can become a great snare. It can become a great trap. And it's actually, freedom is much, much more to do with the state of our hearts. Freedom is all to do with the state of our hearts, actually. It's not about our money in the bank. It's not about our health. It's not about our pension. It's not about, you know, anything other than how our hearts are feeling. And Paul really caught hold of it when he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's the spirit of the Lord is living in our hearts. That's the thing that will set us free. You know, that's the thing that will get us out of the hamster cage. <laughs> that's the thing that will, you know, set us, let, cause those chains to fall off us. And we can step out of the cage. And instead of looking back at the cage and saying, oh, how nice to be free from the cage, we can actually turn around and look forward and say, I am now free to be someone. 
I am free to be something. And, you know, my encouragement this morning for us is that we, we go through that, if you like, that conversion. That instead of looking back at what we've been set free from, we look forward to what we have been set free to become. That's what, the, the, um, the is, what, that's what happened to the Israelites when they were in Egypt. You know, they, were, they, were, they went there first of all and it was a place of provision and safety for them. But they ended up being slaves. And um, in, in Exodus 2, it says, The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And then a few verses later, it says, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way they're being oppressed. So now, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. See, God wanted his people to be free from Egypt. But he didn't just bring them out of Egypt and leave them in the wilderness. He had a promised land for them to go to. You know, he set them free from something in order to bring them into the freedom of something new. And that's the same for, for each one of us, that there is something new for us to step into, which is, you know, this freedom, which is the freedom of the sons of God and the daughters of God. Um, you know, most of you have probably read The Shack. But yeah? In that, that story, um, Paul Young, he describes a weekend, you know, uh, which, is, which is like this dream or this, this vision or this, it's just a story really. But, you know, in the book it takes a weekend. And through that weekend he, he goes on this journey of discovering an incredible freedom from something traumatic that happened in the past. And it's like he's set free from that past in order to step into a new life. Now, in the book, it's just a weekend. But in his life, you know, that journey took him 11 years. That, that process of walking redemptively and letting go of the trauma and letting go of the shock and letting go of the pain and beginning to go through that period of, de- of depression and coming out the other side and then realizing that, oh, I am now free of that and I, am, I can live in this new, this new life of freedom. That took him 11 years. And that's, that's a long time. You know, that's a long process. And sometimes, you know, the shock and the trauma that we go through is, is so deep that it takes a long time for us to walk through it. And, you know, it might not be 11 years in, in your case, but it, it can be weeks, it can be months, it can, it can be years. And, but, it, you know, when we come through it, we realize that we've stepped into something new. And that newness is, is a freedom in our hearts. And that's what our Father wants to do for each one of us this morning, is to set our hearts free. Not free from, but free to be. Free to free to be. You know, we have these free from aisles, don't we, in the supermarket? 
free from everything. I would like to have, have an aisle in the supermarket, free to be, and full of chocolate and nice things like that. <laughs> free to enjoy, you know? Um, so, yeah. Paul talks about freedom a lot. Uh, he's, you know, I've already read that verse in Galatians 5. It's the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, he recognizes that it's so easy for us to fall back into where we've come from. And I think it's all a question of where are we looking, you know? If we keep looking back and say, oh, I'm so glad I've been set free from my hamster cage, and we keep looking at our hamster cage and going, yeah, 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 I'm free from my hamster cage, it's very easy to get drawn back into the hamster cage. But if we turn around and look forward at the freedom that God has in front of us, you know, where, where we, what we look at is what we become, you know? There's that song, isn't there, that um, talks about, do you know the words of that song? What we gaze upon, what we become or something, we, what we behold, we become. No, no, okay. You know, what we look at is what we become. I'll have to teach it to you, Timo. I'll get my guitar out later. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, what we look on, we, we become. And... You know, if we look back, it's easy for us to fall back. But if we look forward to the freedom that is ours in Christ, you know, that draws us into it. And uh, this morning is all about turning around. Instead of looking one way, we want to look another way and walk another way and step into all that he has for us. In Job, I don't know how many people read Job, but I love Job. You know, he's got so many, you know, it's, it's, it is a story. It's like Lamentations. It's a story of humanity. It's a story of our human life. And in Job chapter 36, it says, He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. It's like, you know, wooing is, is a romantic word. You know, and God our Father is drawing us in love away from the jaws of distress to a place which is full of freedom. It's a place laid with good food. Um, you know, and he wants us to step into that, that, that freedom where something in our hearts begins to fly. You know, Elton John's written a song called Electricity. Can I play it to you? Yeah, going to have Elvis a bit later on as well. <laughs> and it talks about a freedom that is, I think Elton John, sometimes his words are quite perceptive. And he, he talks about this like electricity that we don't really understand, but it comes into our heart and it sets us free. And I think he's just trying to feel around something in this song because I think really what it is, the thing that sets us free is when the power of the Father's love comes into our heart. It sets us free and we can begin to fly. Thank you. 
I think Father wants to pour his love into us, that it becomes like that electricity that sets us free to soar, you know, and to fly. Because that's, I think that's our destiny as sons and daughters, not to be trapped in a miserable little hamster cage going round and around and around and around and around and around and around and getting nowhere, but stepping into that freedom where we soar and fly. Um... I, I've got this friend, Trevor Galpin, and he's, he knows this man um, who lives in Minnesota in America. Now, I don't know if you know America, but Minnesota is right in the middle of the country. It's nowhere near the sea. 
It's just right in the middle of the country. And one day this guy was in his house and he was just praying. And the next thing he knows is he's walking along a pier by the sea. And he hears a girl crying out because her friend has fallen off the pier and is drowning. And this guy runs along, jumps into the sea and saves this girl, pulls her out of the, of the sea, puts her on the pier. And then the next thing, he's back in Minnesota in his bedroom. He's soaking wet and he's smelling of seawater. And this guy thinks, what's happened? You know, it's like, he doesn't understand. He, he has this vague sort of, you know, he has this memory of like this vision, like almost like a dream. But it is obviously something more real than that because he's absolutely soaked in seawater. Two years later, he was at a conference, a, ch a Christian conference, and suddenly he hears this scream from across the room. And these two girls run across the room going, it's you, it's you, it's you. And they throw their arms around him and they say, where did you go? You disappeared. We wanted to thank you for saving me. And this guy says, well, yeah. He said, where was that? He said, oh, we were in Florida. And you came and saved us. And this guy's in Minnesota, thousands of miles away. Now, you know, I don't understand why God didn't arrange for someone in Florida to be there just at the right time and jump into the sea and save her. You know, God's God and he can do what he likes. <laughs> but, you know, that, it's like, and that guy didn't ask for it. He was just sitting in his room, a normal guy like, like you and me, sitting in his room, just praying, don't even know what he was praying about. And suddenly God picks him up and drops him in Florida, thousands of miles away. He saves the girl and disappears back to his, his house. And then two years later, he meets them. I mean, isn't, that's just God's grace, isn't it, to put them together again two years later. And, you know, they, it's like, how does that happen? But that's the, free, that's the freedom that God lives in. You know, he can pick you and I up. And, you know, I love stories like that. And there's lots and lots of stories around like that. And some of them have, have not been proven or, or whatever. But this one has has been, you know, proved to be, be true and, and so on. And it's like, I don't know why God does that, but he does that. Because, you know, Jesus was free. Jesus, Jesus could walk through walls. You know, he, he didn't bother with the door when it was locked. He just came straight through. <laughs> you know, he was free from taxes. He needed to pay his tax. He said, oh, Peter, just go fishing. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll go fishing, Lord. Yeah. So off Peter goes and comes back. Oh, Lord, there's money in the fish's mouth. Oh, what a surprise, you know? It's like Jesus was so free. He could walk on water. He could calm the storm. He was, he was free of these world systems. You know, he didn't bow the knee to, to Pilate or to Herod or to, to the, the chief priests. He, he was totally free of those things. And, you know, that's the freedom he calls us into you know yes we still got to pay our taxes you know yes we still got to pay the mortgage <laughs> you know probably still got to go to work on monday morning and all that sort of stuff but it's the state of our hearts is to be free and in romans chapter 8 um romans chapter 8 verse 15 it, it says you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, yesterday we talked about that verse in Romans 5, verse 5, where the Holy Spirit, the Father's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. 
And virtually the next mention of the Holy Spirit in Romans is this passage in chapter 8. And it's like, you know, Paul has set the scene a little bit earlier by saying, God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing we read about the Holy Spirit is this Holy Spirit that pours the Father's love into our hearts enables us to cry, Abba, Father. It's this spirit of sonship. And then we read this, which is incredible. In verse 19, creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. See, that's the freedom that is our inheritance. It's a glorious freedom. It's not just sort of half-baked, half-cooked freedom. It's a glorious freedom. And Paul has this expectation of, of us once we receive this spirit of sonship. Once our hearts are set free and we cry, Abba, Father. Paul has this expectation that we will then live in a glorious freedom. You know, and I look at my life and I think, is this a life of glorious freedom? Well, we're getting there. You know, it's better than it was. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. See, I've given up looking backwards at my hamster cage. and thinking, oh, that was a nice hamster cage. That was a nice wheel that went round and round and round and round. You know, I've turned and I'm looking forward to the freedom that is in front of me, that I can enjoy the glorious freedom of the children of God. And Paul writes that amazing phrase that creation is, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the same freedom that we enjoy. I, I don't know what that looks like. You know, we look at the world around us and it is in bondage to decay, isn't it? You know, just look at some of the environmental issues, look at the way we're ruining, you know, the planet and all that sort of stuff. And you think, you know, creation itself, the natural world is heading towards decay. You know, it's breaking up, it's not working, it's, you know, it's, it's bust. Society is broken. And Paul says, somehow, when the children of God live in their glorious freedom, creation will turn and come into that freedom as well. I have no idea what that looks like. I don't know how it will work. All I know is that's what it says in the, in the book. <laughs> but the first step for that is for you and I to live in the freedom that we were meant to live in. The first step towards that is us becoming the glorious, free sons and daughters of the Father. And the key, and we'll look at it a little bit later this morning, the key is to turn around. Because we've been set free from something, but we've been set free to be someone. You know, and I want us to be who we were meant to be. I want us to live as the sons and daughters of the Father. You know, do I still have bad days? Yes. I have my fair share of bad days, just like everybody else. But I have learned to look in the right direction more. You know, I've learned to look forward. I've learned to look 
you know, and say, I am in Christ. You know, he is the author and perfecter of my faith. I, that's my, you know, do I do it all the time? No, I don't. But that's where I'm aiming at. Um, and it's, it's this, just this sense of, you know, let go of the, the hamster wheel. Let go of the cage. That's freedom from. That's fine. You know, we are free from. But let's be free to be who we are meant to be. Um, and we do not know what the effects of us living in freedom will be. But one of the things I've discovered is, you know, and I said it yesterday, I think, is that Jesus said, you've, Father, you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you've revealed them to little children. And the key to entering his kingdom is always to have a childlike heart. And so the key to entering the freedom he has for us is to have a childlike heart. And just before we, we stop for a coffee break, um, it's Elvis's turn. <laughs> but you get a video with Elvis. Because this is great. You'll enjoy this one. thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast for further information check out www.idestiny.org.uk